Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. If, if you've missed the last three weeks, but you made it this one, you picked a good one to come to, because we're talking about unforgiveness tonight. Um, we're talking about letting go of maybe the most potent poison man has, and that's unforgiveness. Uh, we need to break up with that baggage if we're going to be able to step into any blessing that God has for us. So, um, before we go any further, or uh, can you stand to your feet just real quickly in honor of reading God's word? It's only one verse, so don't worry, guys. You're not going to be up for too long. But we're going to read Colossians 3.13. Colossians 3, verse 13. It says this, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. And remember, the Lord forgave you. Turn to your neighbor and say, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. So turn to that same neighbor and say, now you got to forgive me. Turn to your neighbor for the title for tonight's message, Unpacking Unforgiveness. Unpacking Unforgiveness. That's the talk for tonight. Uh, with that being said, turn to your neighbor, give them a high five, tell them to get ready, and uh, take a seat as we pray over service. Father, we thank you for what you're doing tonight. God, we thank you, Father, that we give this service over to you, uh, that we gather for no other reason other to be closer to your son, God. That the reason why we are here, Father, so that way we can understand more about you, God. That, that we are really students of yours. We're disciples of yours, God. We, we don't just follow after you to stay the same. We follow after you to change, God. We follow after you to get to know more about your spirit. So, Father, have your way tonight. Let there be miracle signs and wonders tonight. Let there, God, be changed, broken off minds, God. Let there be addiction, God, removed, Father. Let there be, God, anxiety removed, Father. But let tonight be the night where we can say, I broke up with my baggage. Let tonight be the night where freedom is tasted. We love you so much, Jesus. We give you all the glory and the praise. And everybody say, amen, amen. Give Jesus one more hand clap of praise. Uh, there's a... There's an expression that um, you maybe heard before. When people talk about unforgiveness, they, they say, and you might have heard it preached about or taught about, they say unforgiveness will weigh you down, right? It will weigh you down spiritually and emotionally because it will. It will. It will weigh you down. But have you ever thought about how unforgiveness could weigh you down physically? Ever thought about that? For some reason, I did. So I Googled it. And they did a study. Um... Uh, on a group of people, and they told them to write down a time to where they either forgave somebody or they held a grudge against somebody. And so they, they're a big group of people, and they all wrote down these things, and then they separated them into the groups of people who forgave and the people who held a grudge. And then they told those people to jump as high as they could without bending their knees. And so they all jumped as high as they could, and the people who forgave jumped 12 inches tall, and then the people who held a grudge jumped only 8 inches tall. So quite literally, unforgiveness will weigh you down. Uh, and, you know, scientists, because I, I like to look into the, how the world is trying to catch up to the word. Like, have you ever noticed, like, people, like, I was reading these articles, they're like, scientists have found that unforgiveness is not good for you. I'm just like, God. You guys need the word. Like, this is like, you, don't, you didn't have to do all that studying to figure that out. And uh, they were doing a study. Said they, they, they found that um, studying um, different animals in the animal kingdom, 
they, they found that every animal they studied has some kind of form of like reconciliation or, or, or forgiveness or they make up for, uh, for like, you know, hurting each other or whatever. They found that every animal does that except for one. And that one animal was a house cat. Only a house cat they found would not uh, choose to forgive. If you ever had, I've never had a cat. I'm just not a cat person. But I can tell that cats are the most miserable things alive. And now I know why. I'm sorry if you're a cat person. Cats are, cats are awesome. We'll see if they're in heaven. We'll see when we get there. Uh, but if you know the lifestyle of a cat, you know they act like they're miserable all the time. Okay, most of the time. Okay, sorry, cat people. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at life from a dog perspective, a dog person perspective, okay? Um, but uh, I was like, man, that explains a lot. That's why they're so miserable because they don't forgive. They hold grudges. I know one time I made a cat mad. This one time I had this friend, he had a cat, made him mad one time, and for years wouldn't look at me again. I don't think he ever did. They just hold on to grudges. But anyways, that has nothing to, to, to do with what I'm speaking on. I just thought it was funny. <clears throat> But who knows, God did not call us to live a life of misery. God did not call us to live a life where we're always thinking about the past and holding grudges. And um, God did not call us to live a life to where every time we think about that person who we're all thinking about right now, who we're holding a grudge against, for us to, to relive that pain, to relive that hurt, to, to, to hold on to, to the things that hurt us. No, God did not call us to live a life like that. It's, it, it is so important for us to realize the potency of unforgiveness because see unforgiveness prior to what you might think unforgiveness is not payback unforgiveness is poison it's something that will poison your soul and in and, and your life in general and and emotionally and now we just read physically it'll weigh you down too um, unforgiveness will damage our, our our soul but thankfully uh jesus throughout scripture he was not shy about explaining the importance of forgiving people and, and explaining the importance of of combating against unforgiveness and so throughout the gospels he mentions it many times and um, that's what we're going to take a look at tonight is when he mentions it in Matthew 18 verse 21 and um, that's where we're going to kind of stick around tonight uh, oh sorry Matthew um, yeah 18 verse 21 and uh, so where we pick up in this story uh, it's really, Matthew 18 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, but more specifically kind of uh, in the region we were studying because three verses prior to where we we're about to pick up in verse 21, uh, more specifically from verses 18 to 20, Jesus dropped some like big, like I call them preacher bars on his disciples to where he said some verses and scriptures that you hear said all the time where he says, he, this is when he drops this three verses early before where we pick up. It's where he drops where he says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And in, and in the next scripture, he, he says, again, I say to you, if two or more of you agree concerning anything on earth, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So he's dropping all these things on them. And then in the next verse, he drops um, uh, the, the scripture that a lot of preachers use when it's a low crowd. Um, I don't know, the only time you ever hear them say the scripture, you need to look around because there's probably not a lot of people there. I remember I've said this many times uh, at the beginning when we first started YA, uh, our YA ministry, 
when we first started our, our, uh, our young adults, which um, it, we have a great community, but when we first started, I was, I was fresh out of Bible college, and, and if you ever met somebody who's fresh out of Bible college, you know there's, they're a little crazy for a little bit. You ever met somebody fresh, like, you know, they're ready to go, like, I was ready to go out, like, we're going to change the world now, we're going to go out, like, I was, you know, had a little bit of Bible college craziness on me, and <clears throat> so the first um, night we had YA, the very first service ever, I was like, this is going to be the greatest night, this night's going to change this town, is this? and I show up to our first night, and only two people were there, just two people. But I said this scripture that we're about to, what, what Jesus said, where it says, forever two or three are gathered in his name, I am there also. And so I, I went up there, I said, I see two people, so Jesus is here, so give him prayers, like, you know, uh, you know, stirring them up, and it was a good night, but that's where we started. But So Jesus is dropping all these bars and dropping all these awesome verses and scriptures, and then following this is where we pick up in, in verse 21, and this is... After all that, Peter, uh, then he, he asked uh, Jesus a question. And if you know Peter, he asked dumb questions, if you know Peter. And in verse 21, he says this. He said, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive. Everybody say forgive. And I forgive him. He said, up to seven times? Question mark. See, what Peter was saying, he was really saying, Jesus, what should be the limit to forgiveness? What, where should I stop forgiving this person? Should it be after seven times? And he was asking it almost, see, he was asking it in a way of kind of look at me, Jesus, because back in that time, the rabbis taught that the, the, the limit for forgiveness or the, 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 the culturally accepted limit was three times. They taught if they surpass three times, you don't have to forgive them anymore. Like they had their chance. Quite literally, three strikes, you're out. And so what Peter was saying, he went up to Jesus. He's like, look, Jesus, I'm going to forgive people seven times. Not three times. No, I'm, it's, I'm seven times. So Peter's trying to act like he's this overachiever by saying seven times. But watch how Jesus responds to him. In 22, verse 22, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. 70 times seven. Now, Jesus was not referring to a, uh, a numerical number of 490 with a seven times 70. That's not, that wasn't Jesus' point. What he was saying is there is no limit to forgiveness. What he was saying is there is no limit where you have been offended too much where now you cannot forgive no longer. No, there is no limit to forgiveness. And there will never be a time where God will, will look at your situation, whatever is going on in your life. There will never come a time where God will say, okay, he, yeah, he went too far that time. Don't forgive him. Like, you're good. That will never, that will never come a time. Jesus was telling Peter, he said, seven times 70. He said, it's, it's a, it's a, it, it, never. When should you stop forgiving? You should always be forgiven. No matter what they do to you, no matter what they say about you, your response is always forgiveness. But if you're like me, I think that's pretty hard. Forgiving people, you know, once, okay, I can do that. Twice, maybe. Three times, I'm going to try my best. But an infinite number to forgive somebody after they hurt, and they, and they 
gossip and after they backstab and if they do that. Yeah, that sounds like a very hard thing to do. It, it sounds like something that not only do I ask how can we do it, but more importantly, God, why should we do that? Why should we forgive people who continue to do us wrong? Why should we forgive people who have no sense of values or character? Why do they deserve our forgiveness? I'm glad you asked because then Jesus, he answered that question with a story. So Jesus kind of fills the, 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 the question of, okay, why should we forgive people who do wrong to us? And then in verse 23, Jesus says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven, everybody say heaven. So the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Let me give you a, a, a pro tip Bible studying thing, okay? When you see the words the kingdom of heaven is like, you need to pay close attention to what is about to be followed. Because what Jesus is saying in that moment is saying, look, the kingdom of heaven, how my kingdom operates is like this. How the kingdom of heaven, how, see, you and I, if you don't know this, if you have Jesus on the side of you, you're part of the kingdom of heaven, okay? You now have access to the kingdom of heaven where there's freedom, where there's peace, where there's joy, where there's a culture, okay? With every kingdom, there's supposed to be a culture. So when Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like, he was saying, this is how I operate. This is how my domain operates, and this is how the rules work in my kingdom. So if you want to be part of my kingdom, then pay attention. So if you ever see if the kingdom of heaven is like, you need to break out the highlighters, what I'm trying to tell you, and be ready to start scribbling all over it because this is something very important that Jesus wants to talk to us about. You see, Jesus actually talks about his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, far more than he does his death, far more than he does the cross. Now, I'm not saying that the kingdom of heaven is greater than the cross, but the cross is our passageway into the kingdom of heaven. That's why Jesus taught, right, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. It's, it's, it's here. So if you want access to this kingdom of heaven that, that will give you freedom from addiction, that will give you a power unspeakable, a, a, a peace. Come on, is, is anybody excited about the kingdom of heaven like me? Am I, am I a Riverside Church? The kingdom of heaven is why you and I serve Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is why we're here. The kingdom of heaven is why Jesus came to the earth. Yes, yes, to die for our sins, but so that way we could be part of his kingdom. That is why he came. And so we have to be very intentional when it comes to the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus says in verse 24, he says, and when he began to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed them 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents. So what theologians agree upon is 10,000 talents uh, in today's dollar would be between 100 million and 1 billion. Okay? A lot of money. Okay? So what Jesus was saying right off the bat is that this servant owed uh, the king an, an, uh, an insurmountable amount of debt. Something that's unpayable. Something that, that it's not a small amount. A huge amount of debt is owed. Then in verse 25 it says, But he was not able to pay. 
and his master commanded that he be sold with his wife, children, and all that he had, and that the payment, everybody say payment, be paid. Even if, let's say that did happen, even if that man and his whole family was sold uh, into slavery, it would still just be a drop in the bucket to compare to what the debt he owes. It doesn't matter how much you and I can ever do. It doesn't matter how much good deeds we do. It doesn't matter uh, how many uh, religious laws we follow. We will never pay off our debts. We would never have been able to pay off the debt of sin. We would never have been able to work our way into heaven. We would never have been able to, to pay off the price that sin cost in our life. That is why God sent Jesus. That is why God sent his son, because you and I, we couldn't pay for it. You and I, we, we, we couldn't. We tried. Read the Old Testament. It's all about people trying to, to live under these laws and regulations. You know what that found out? What, what Really a summary of what the Old Testament was saying is that we can't pay it. We can't pay the bill. We need a Savior. We, we need somebody to step into our place to pay the price of sin. We needed somebody to come down and pay the price that you and I deserve to pay. That's why we love Jesus in this place. That's why we're thankful for the name of Jesus. Because if it wasn't for him, we'd still be in a loaded debt and you would have no idea how to get out of it. But because of the name of Jesus, we are now able to be freed from that debt. In verse 26, it says that the servant... He fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And a deep cry, this, this servant, he's, he's begging for his life. He's saying, just give me more time. Just, just have patience with me. Have mercy on me. Just don't, don't do this. I, I will pay it back. Because as we just read, it's an amount that is unpayable. But watch what the master said. In verse 27, it says, the, the, then the master of that servant he was, was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave. Everybody say forgave. Forgave him of his debt. So God forgave him of an unpayable debt. When God looked at you and I, he had so much compassion. See, not only did he remove the debt from our lives, but he paid the debt. Not only did he free us from being a slave to sin, but he paid the price that you and I deserve. I just can't imagine how much compassion has to be on a man to be able to send his own son in somebody else's place. How much compassion must have been inside of God's heart to look down at humanity and see us in the thick of sin but still say, I'm going to send my son down to that place. I'm going to forgive them for what they've done, even though they don't deserve it. They can't pay for it. They, they don't have any way of even being able to equal to the amount. They, they have no idea how, how thick and depth they are. But because of Jesus and the compassion, because of what he did for us, we can see the, not, not the debt anymore, not, the, not the, what we can't do anymore, but now we, all we can see is a future in our lives. Jesus gives us that. Jesus gives us that. That he sent his son, 
and he died for our sins, but who knows he didn't stay dead. He, he went to that grave and he paid the price that you and I deserve because the, the wages of sin is death. That God created that law and God is not a liar. So something had to die. Somebody had to take the place of sin and had to pay that price. But Jesus paid that price and he rose again on the third day. Now you and I can rise out of our own graves of sin and be able to live a life of Christ. Come on, who's thankful for Jesus Christ in this place? Sometimes when I think about to have compassion on others or to, to, you know, have patience for others, I think about how much compassion and patience God has for me. And I say, there's nothing, there's nobody I can turn away. There's nobody I can say, you know, all right, you know, uh, you're wasting my time now. No. God had so much compassion and patience with us. The very least we can do is just try to reflect even a small, small, small part of that. In verse 28, after he was forgiven, this, this servant who owed an insurmountable amount of debt, uh, an amount that was no way payable by the servant, he is forgiven, no, no strings attached. He, he's forgiven it from it. He, he should be having the, the best day of his life, but watch how he responds. In verse 28, it says, but that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred Denari. Now, 100 denari is about the same as like, uh, uh, first of all, it's no more, nowhere near comparable to the debt he owed. But it's more like, you know, somebody uh, taking an, uh, your, your, your meal at Subway, okay? I'm going to try to break it down for you. So this guy's like, hey, you owe me Subway. And he goes up to him. And he lays his hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me. Everybody say me. He was saying, pay me. Pay me what you owe. This man who was so quick to, 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 to condemn after so shortly being forgiven. This man who was so caught up in his problems and in his own issues that he wasn't even realizing how selfish and how, and how uh, really merciless he was being in that moment. But that's where unforgiveness starts is that point number one for tonight is unforgiveness is rooted in selfishness. Unforgiveness is rooted in self selfishness. What unforgiveness says is that I don't care what's going on with you. I don't care what problems you have. I, I need to get my own. It's about me right now. I need to make sure that, that, that whatever's going on with you, I don't care. I need to get my own. He looked at his, his fellow servant and I said, I don't care what you're going through right, right now. I need to get my own. See, unforgiveness is a, not a reflection of maybe what was done for you or, or done against you. Unforgiveness is not a reflection of the crime. Unforgiveness is a reflection of our character. Unforgiveness is a reflection of, of, of no, it's about me, not about them. Unforgiveness is, is, no, it's all about me right now because I want to hold on to this. I want to hold on to this bitterness. I want to hold on uh, to these things that were done against me. And we don't want to even think about the, the thoughts or the, 
the, the process of, of letting this hurt go, letting this baggage go. Because every time we think about, we think about the pain that happened. We think about the hurt that happened. We think about, no, if, if, if I forgive this person, if I let it go, I, I'm letting them off clean, off the sleigh. I, I, I'm letting them go off uh, without any, any uh, lesson taught to them. No, uh, no, it's about me right now. And that's where unforgiveness starts. It's, it starts in selfishness. Unforgiveness starts in us just thinking about ourselves. We're not thinking about anybody else. We're not thinking about anybody else's perspective or anybody else's issues. No, we're thinking about ourselves, and that's where unforgiveness starts. We think that nobody has no, they don't have no reason to, to be forgiven. They, they're not worthy of our forgiveness. They're, no, it's about me right now. I got to get mine. That guy looked at the servant and said, I need to get my subway back. I don't care if I was just forgiven of so much. But that starts with selfishness. That starts with us thinking that we have to get our our ours, our own I. The servant was saying, give me, give me what you owe me. But in verse 29, his fellow servant, he fell down at his feet and begged him the same way that the servant begged his boss. And he said, have patience with me. And I will pay you all. But he wouldn't. And he went and threw him into prison. Everybody say prison. He threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. See, a lot of times when we, when we associate uh, uh, unforgiveness, we think, you know, I, I'm doing this. I, I haven't forgiven them yet because they don't deserve it. I, I, I haven't forgiven them yet because... Pastor CJ, you don't know what they did, okay? They, they didn't just comment a bad post on my, you know, Instagram. No, they, they betrayed me. They did this to me. They, they did these, these terrible things, and, and so they don't deserve my forgiveness. If I forgive them, I'm letting them off the hook. If I forgive them, then, then they're not, I'm not, how am I supposed to teach them a lesson if I forgive them? This, this man, he... He, he takes the, the servant who owed him so little and he threw him into prison to teach him a lesson. He threw him into prison thinking that, that he was teaching him a lesson. But if we withhold forgiveness from others, we are not putting them into a prison. We're putting ourselves into a prison. If we withhold forgiveness from others, we're not, we're not teaching them a lesson. We're putting ourselves in a place of, of bitterness. We're putting ourselves in a prison where any time we think about that person or think about that season, all we can think about is the hurt. And all we can think about, how could they have done that? Why did they do that? I can't believe they did this. I can't believe they do that. And we're stuck in the same old mindset we were for years. Why? Because we're holding on to something. We're holding on to this baggage of, of, of bitterness and baggage of unforgiveness. And we're saying, I don't want to let this go because they don't deserve it. I don't want to let this go because I don't want to let them off the hook. I, I want to make sure that, that they are being punished. I want to make sure that they, are, that, that they feel that they did something wrong. And we think we are doing something. But point number two for tonight is that there is no justice in unforgiveness. There is no justice in unforgiveness. When you choose to not forgive somebody, that's not justice. When you choose to say, okay, I'm not going to forgive you because you need to learn your lesson, that's not justice. You're not, you're not hurting them. You're hurting yourself. You're, you're not teaching them a lesson. You're holding yourself back. You're not 
putting them in a, in a place where, oh, they're going to learn now because I'm going to block them on everything. Oh, they're going to learn now because they're not going to hear from me for a while. No, you're hurting yourself. You're putting yourself in a prison where you're going to stay there for a, for, for a long, long time because you're holding on to this bitterness and to this unforgiveness. But unforgiveness is not justice. Unforgiveness is poison. Unforgiveness is something that will keep us away from our purpose, that will keep us away from, from stepping into everything that God wants for us. We have to notice that the root of a lot of things, it's unforgiveness. The root of a lot of hurt, uh, a lot of insecurity, a lot of jealousy, uh, a lot of things we're holding on to, it's because we refuse to forgive somebody who hurt us 10 years ago. It's because we, we, something happened in our childhood, and, and it's really hurt us. It really scarred us, and it was a terrible thing, but we haven't let go of it. We haven't forgave because it was something so, so terrible, and I've heard, all, I've heard, I've heard everything, and, and I'm, this is, we live in a terrible world if you don't know. We live in a broken world if you don't know, but that doesn't mean we can't forgive. That doesn't mean that we can't, we can't say, yes, I don't condone what you did. But I'm not going to let what you did hold me back no longer. I don't condone the, 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 how you treated me. I don't condone how you talked to me. But I'm not going to let that hold me back any longer. Because I've been in a prison of bitterness for far too long. That I need to move on now. I need to break up with this baggage. I need to forgive. I need to step into what God has for me. Because I'm telling you right now, we're going to go deeper into it. But I'm telling you right now, if we hold on to unforgiveness... It might be the most poisonous thing for our soul. It might be the very thing that's holding us back from peace. It might be the very thing that's holding us back from joy and from our purpose because God is saying, how can I promote you if you don't forgive others? How, how, how can I take you to places and trust you in, in higher places if you can't even forgive these things? You need to move on before I can move you to closer to the purpose I have for you. So we're, we're, not, we're not hurting others by choosing to not forgive them we're not teaching them a lesson we're just poisoning ourselves we need to break that mindset of thinking they don't deserve my forgiveness guess guess what you don't deserve forgiveness either but who's thankful that God still forgave us even though we didn't deserve it so does it matter to crime committed whatever happened against you always choose to forgive because if we don't if there's one thing I've seen when people are close to the end of their lives is, is what do they regret the most? It's holding on to unforgiveness. Holding on to all these hurts and pains and realizing I've just lived a life of regret, not payback. I mean, they've lived their lives. They don't even remember what they said to me 10 years ago, but for some reason I do. They don't even remember what they did when I was in high school, but for some reason I've been holding it on. You've got to let go. You've got to forgive, and that's how God moves us on. In verse 31, uh, after he chooses to throw his fellow servant in prison, word got around from his other fellow servants. It says in verse 31, so when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved. Everybody say grieved. And came and told their master all that had been done. His fellow servants saw the hypocrisy. His fellow servants saw that that wasn't right. Let us 
as sons and daughters of God, let us not be known for our drama. Let us not be known that we're the people who hold grudges. Let us not be known as, as we're the people who we're known for what we're against. Let us be known for forgiveness. Let us be known, hey, this is a group of people that even though you're not perfect, they're not going to hold that against you. Let us be known that this is the, the church of people who understand that, yes, people fall short, but that doesn't mean we have to hold it over their heads. But we're a church of love. We're a church of forgiveness, saying, yes, we've all made mistakes, but God has washed all those away. So if God forgave you, I forgive you too. Let us be that kind of church because I'm telling you right now, if you call yourself a Christian and you choose to not forgive, the world's going to call you out on it. The world's going to say, this doesn't make sense. The world's going to say, what, what's going on? The world's going to say, why should I follow after Jesus if, if they're no different than, than what I'm doing right now? But what makes us different? What makes us the, the, the salt of the earth is that we have to choose to forgive the unforgivable. We, we, we have to choose to love the unlovable. We have to be the church that's known. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have all these things together. You just have to be somebody who's willing to love Jesus. That's all the requirement you need. Let us be that kind of church. In verse 32, he said, Then his master, after learning this, he, he called him and said to him, He said, You wicked servant. He said, I forgave. Everybody say forgave. He said, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? He looks at this servant. He said, what are you doing? I just forgave you of an insurmountable amount. I just forgave you of a debt that you would never have paid off. I forgave you something so great, but yet you're holding the the." This, this bitterness against a person who owes you something so little. Why are you doing that? Don't you think you should show the same mercy, the same forgiveness as I have showed you? You and I, sons and daughters of God, people who have been forgiven by him, who, who have been washed by the blood of Jesus, we should be the quickest people to forgive. Because anytime somebody does wrong to us, we shouldn't think about how great that crime is. We should think about how great our crime has been and has been forgiven. And we should say, you know what? If Jesus has forgiven us, we should be the quickest people to forgive. We say, yeah, you don't even have to convince me of how, how, how you messed up. I forgive you. Because guess what? I, I was in a place where I, ha I owed an insurmountable amount. But because of my God and because what he did for me, now I am forgiven. So who am I to withhold forgiveness from you? We should be the quickest people to forgive. They shouldn't even have to ask you. They shouldn't even have to, to go up. And I talk to people and say, well, have you, have, you, you know, have you forgiven them yet? Well, they haven't said they're sorry yet. I'm like, they don't have to. They don't have to ask for repentance. You're not God. They don't have to go up to you and say, thou shalt I repent. And you say, okay, you have been forgiven. You're blessed. That's God's place. We go to God in repentance. When somebody does us wrong, they're not supposed to come to us for repentance. They go to God. Our responsibility is just to forgive and say, hey, don't, don't, don't worry about all that. I, I, I forgive you. Don't, don't, don't. No, see, 
be so quick to forgiveness. And I'm telling you, if you make that a habit, if you make that say, you know what, I'm going to be so quick to forgive, you're going to realize how bitter free your life will become. You're going to realize how joy-filled your life will become. Because you're not thinking about, man, how that person did me wrong. And, man, my life would be so much better if that person didn't do that. And my life, you wouldn't be thinking about all that that because you forgave all that. You've moved past all that. You're not in that prison any longer. You're not thinking about the past any longer. You're not thinking about how people hurt you any longer. Now you're just thinking about the purpose of God. And that's where God wants you. But only forgiveness will get you there. You can't hold on to unforgiveness and say, God, put me in the places where you want me. And while you're still holding on to all these hurts. And God's just looking at us. And I, I never want to be in a position where God looks at me like, he, like that, that, that boss looked at that servant. and said, what are you doing? You see how much I forgave you? And you're holding this sin against him? What are you doing? Point number three for tonight is we forgive because we, because we have been forgiven. We forgive because we have been forgiven. We're forgiven people. We are forgiven people. We are people who have been forgave much. We are people who have been set free from much. We are, pe are people who have been forgiven so much that there is not a crime that can be committed that will be equal to the crime that we committed to God. There will never come a place where that crime was equal to what we did to God. But God still forgave us. So if God forgave us, then we have to forgive others. But also, not only do we have to forgive others, we have to forgive ourselves. If there's one thing I that I've seen a lot of people struggle with is that they're even really, they, they don't have a problem forgiving others, but where they struggle is forgiving themselves. Where they, where they struggle is they're thinking about all the things they've done wrong and all the people they hurt. And, and a lot of times it's the enemy reminding them of their life before Christ. And they're telling me, you don't, you don't know what I did. You don't know how, how many people I hurt. Like I've done some messed up things. I said, dude, look, God doesn't even remember what you did. It's under the blood. Get that out of your mind. Forgive yourself and move on because that is a ploy of the enemy to hold you to that old life, to hold you to that old lifestyle of thinking, I'm never going to get past. I'm never going to move forward because of, of, of what I've done. I'm never going to be able to, to do things for God because, man, my past, I, I've done some messed up things, and I've hurt some people, and I've done things that I'm not proud of. Well, guess what? If you repented to God and he forgave you, you don't even have to think about that anymore. You've been forgiven. You can let that go. You can move on, and God can do greater things in your life, but don't be convinced by the enemy. Don't be convinced by those insecurities of thinking that that past is still holding you down. No, God said, I cleaned you white as snow, and there's not a blemish that I still see. We can move on and move past the things that we have done. In verse 34, and I'm closing. Y'all can stay with me and Haley. Come make me sound holy. In verse 34. After all this, he said, and his master, he, he was angry after learning this, and he delivered him to the torturers, and so he should pay all that was due to him. And Jesus closed with this. That's, that was the end of the story. And then he looked at the, his disciples, so, and he said, so my heavenly father also will do 
to you, to you if each of you from his heart, everybody say heart, does not forgive his brother for his trespasses. I don't know if you caught that, but Jesus made a very bold statement right there. He was saying, say, look, if you can't forgive, if you can't forgive others for what they've done to you, how do you expect me to forgive what you've done to me? How, how can I forgive you if you can't forgive others? Now, there's a debate. I don't want to get into debate if, if unforgiveness is an unforgivable sin. You know, I'll let you do the study. But I do know this. And what Jesus was saying by saying the heart, because God knows the heart. Jesus knows the heart. What he was saying is saying a true heart of the believer is forgiveness. A true heart of the believer is forgiving people. But a heart of somebody who, who hasn't been forgiven is unforgiveness. Because that's showing that you don't understand what Jesus did for you. It's showing that you don't understand the price that was paid. You don't understand the, what his body went through, the, the pain he endured, the price that was paid. Because if you truly understood that, you wouldn't have an ounce of unforgiveness in your heart. If you truly understood what Jesus did on Calvary, forgiving somebody who commented something on your Instagram post would be easy. We have to understand the type of forgiveness that God freely gives us. We have to understand what Jesus did on the cross. As Jesus said, if you understand that, if you line yourself up with that understanding that because I have been forgiven, I need to forgive. Because what God has done for me, I need to forgive others. And there's no gray areas. There's no... There, there's no, well, if he just did that, or if he did, no, everything. We are meant to forgive. Let God judge. That's his job. We are meant to forgive. I'm going to close with this thought. Because what Jesus was saying, and what I want to really surmount tonight, tonight into, is that forgiveness is freedom. Forgiveness is freedom. Forgiveness not only is freedom for our souls because God forgave us for our sins. But when you choose to forgive, that's freedom. When you choose to forgive others, that's freedom. When you choose to forgive that person who bullied you in high school and you're still holding up, that's freedom. When you choose to forgive that person who, who talked bad about you behind your back, that's freedom. Don't let those people hold you back no longer. Don't let those offenses hold you back no longer. There is truly freedom in forgiveness. There is truly a lightness when you choose to forgive. There is truly something different in your spirit, man, that happens when you choose to forgive. God knows the heart. God knows what's inside of us. We can't fool God. We can't say, God, yeah, I forgive him. And be like, my fingers were crossed, God. No, God knows our heart. You're not going to fool him. That's why he said, I see the heart. But forgiveness is freedom. There's been times in my life where people have said, people have heard things that's happened. And, and I didn't even notice it because I tried to avoid it. Through, people ever try to avoid unforgiveness? You, you know you're, you're struggling with something, but you try to avoid it. But then I realized 
This can all be broken if I just forgive and move on. This can all just end if I just say, yes, this person was wrong and it, and it was painful and it was unspeakable, but you know what? I forgive. I don't need them to say they're sorry. I don't need them to get on their knees and repent. No, I forgive them because I want to move on with my life. I forgive them because I want to do greater things with my life. I forgive them because I don't want to be held at a level that's so low where all I can do is do little things because I can't forgive big. No, I want to forgive people so that way I can experience the freedom that he has to offer. With every head bowed, eyes closed, I just want the Holy Spirit to take over tonight. I really don't want to move on until we've moved past unforgiveness. I, I really don't want anybody to leave this place still holding on to unforgiveness. Let us catch how much of a poison unforgiveness is for our soul. Let us catch that if we choose to hold on to these things of bitterness and offense, we're going to be held back our whole lives, but let us choose to forgive. Father, right now, let your Holy Spirit begin to stir up on the inside of us. God, begin to show us the areas that we need to let go. God, begin to show us who we need to forgive. God, bring that person to our mind. Bring that, bring that situation to our mind that we've been trying to, to hold on to. Say, and just forgive. Say, God, I forgive them. God, I, I want to move on. God, I, I let go. God, I break up with this baggage. Holy Spirit, have your way tonight. Begin to move on your church. God, begin to break down walls. Begin to break through the, the wall of pride or selfishness that's trying to withhold us from forgiving people. God, we forgive because you forgave us first, God. Let us spit out this poison of unforgiveness and walk in the freedom that you have for us, God. So as we sing songs together, the worship team's going to sing, but right now let this be an intimate moment with you and God. And ask yourself, challenge yourself, say, God, is there places where I'm still holding on to unforgiveness and bitterness and offense? If you find that place, just tell God that you forgive them. Tell God that you even want to pray for that person or just move on from that and you're gonna feel a freedom like you've never had before. Well, let's sing tonight.